Good evening. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Kevin Lee, and I'm here with my partner, J.R. Ferguson, and we are the eye test. Uh, Ferg, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good, Kev. Good to be here. Awesome. So let's go ahead and get started, guys. We got some great topics for you today. Uh, uh, in our first talk, we're talking about Steph Curry shooting uh, 27% in his last 10 games. Ferg, how you feel about Steph and what's going on with him? Um, yeah, Steph's struggling, man. Um, he's, you know, shooter shoot. Um, we still know that he's the greatest shooter of all time. Uh, but undoubtedly, this is the the worst stretch of his career. I mean, I think he's shooting 37% from three for the season. I think he's shooting about 41, 42% from the field. I think he's a career 47% shooter. Now, again, this is an eye test broadcast, so um, we don't focus on stats. The only reason I'm throwing those stats out there is because that's what the analysts say, and that's what they look at. But what I look at when I see him, um, I'm seeing a guy that's uh, settling for shots. I mean, the three-pointer is always going to be there for him. I think Steph is at his best when he's getting to the basket, when he's getting to the free-throw line, when he's shooting the mid-range and mixing the mid-range in with the three-point shot, I think that's when Steph is at his best. And I think the last time me and you talked, Kev, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mentioned that he needed to shoot more mid-range shots because they are running him off the three-pointer. Everybody in, in the gym knows he's going to shoot it. So, right. I mean, that's, that's no surprise. It's no shock. So, he's going to have to find other ways to get his shot off and to get good looks that may not necessarily be three-pointers. And, um, you know, so far this year, uh, he just looks a little lethargic. I mean, it may be an emotional drain from chasing Ray Allen, breaking the record. Uh, you know, we know that he's struggled since then. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, 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 a lot of it is mental. And we know that great shooters, great players – um, they have a way of finding their way, and, and, and he'll shoot his way out of this slump. Right. Definitely a slump. His last game, he shot one for 13 against the Utah Jazz. Even though Golden State found a, way to, found a way to win the game, definitely uncharacteristic numbers for Steph. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I know you told me some numbers the other day. What, what's some of his shooting numbers the last couple games? He's actually had five of his worst performances this season uh, in his career. Uh, he shot four for 21 one game, five for 24, five for 21 another game. He was seven for 28 and then five for 20 in, a, in another game. Um, in his worst game of his career, he was in 2010, he was five for 21. So he's definitely been struggling this year. So. Yeah, you know, I, I saw I saw a meme on Facebook that said Steph shoot percentage look like tour dates. So, um, yeah, he's, I mean, he's struggling, no doubt. But one thing you have to give him and the Golden State staff credit for, um, well, and mostly his hard work, he's a much improved defender. When you're not shooting the ball well, I, to me what defines greatness is probably the difference between him and somebody like Russell Westbrook is struggling as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Steph is a, an improved defender. Uh, that's one uh, glaring notice that we've noticed this year that he's a better defender. 
I mean, he used to be that guy that they you say. You only had up to go. Huh? You only had up to go. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's better. He's a better defender. Um, a better on-ball defender. Um, he's a better help defender. So what separates, you know, superstars from legendary players, they find other ways to impact the game. I think his assist numbers are up a little bit. His rebound numbers are up. Um, you know, he his steals, you know, he's getting a lot of steals. And, you know, the, the Warriors have put him in position to be successful. And the other thing I'll say about Steph is, and this is a testament to his greatness. When you can shoot five for 21 and your your team can still win the game, mm-hmm. it's because he strikes so much fear in opposing defenses yeah. that they don't care that he's five for 21. They're right. still guarding him as if he was 13 for 21 or 15 for 21. So um, that's greatness personified right Absolutely. there. And uh, we have to stop being prisoners of the moment and, you know, just looking at uh, this slump that he's in. Everybody's gone through a slump. I mean, even the great players of the game have all gone through slumps, whether it was at the foul line, uh, the three-point line, or just field goals in in, in general. So uh, he's going through a slump. I think when he comes out, I think Golden State will probably be unbeatable. (laughs) Right. I mean, I'm just just being honest. Uh, They get Draymond Green back. Um, if they go ahead and trade James Wiseman before anybody realizes that he can't play <laughs> and get something for him, uh, I, I think they'd be Is really that the good. the best kept secret in Golden State right he, now? That he can't play. Yeah, <laughs> that he's no good, and they need to go ahead and get what they can get for him before everybody understands that uh, he's going to be a bust. Gotcha. So, um uh, well, and I'll say this. I'm going to ask you this question. Um, how big of a impact has it been that Draymond has not been able to play? How has that affected Steph's game? Well, I think overall, during their run in Golden State, their championship run in Golden State, Draymond has taken on a lot of the point forward responsibilities, and Steph's been able to kind of play off the ball and just wreak havoc on defenses just back and forth and back and forth and just wearing his man out because you know when Steph's at his at his prime, he's running, running, running all around the court. So that makes it tough on opposing defenders. Um, running his man ragged by the end of the game. Right. You know, playing pickup games, you know, you you always hate playing against that guy. It's like that gym rat that just runs right. all day long. Yeah, they don't, they don't even play ball. They just run <laughs> to make you run. <laughs> right. Unfortunately, usually I had to guard those guys, and it yeah. was definitely tough. But when we played together back in the day. But, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Steph definitely um, has a lot more of the responsibility right now while Draymond is out. Because um, he's the primary scorer, he's the primary ball handler, so everything's running through him. Having the uh, living up to the three point king personification this year or whatever, I feel like he may be pressing a little bit. He may be a little bit fatigued as well. Steph is not as young as he used to be. Obviously, he's uh, been, have been in the league several years now, so a lot of that's going to come into the wear and tear. And I think when Draymond comes back. Everybody can kind of settle out and get back into their more natural roles that they've been playing with through their their championship run. Hey, and I think it's a testament to Draymond. Absolutely. I mean, um, it was Charles Barkley that uh, said last year that he was averaging like a triple single or something, <laughs> right. like a cheeseburger. But um, 
Draymond is his value can't be defined in stats. Right. And again, that's a shameless plug again for our our crafty name, Atas. I mean, you have to actually watch the game to understand what Draymond's value is to the Warriors. Yeah. I mean, it's not only he's a, the facilitator, he's their best defender. He, uh, he could probably be defensive player of the year mm-hmm. if he hadn't missed so many games. So um, you got to watch basketball. I mean, you can't just look at the stat sheet at the end of the game to try to define players. Uh, there, there are a lot of talented guys in the league, and um, uh, it's some of them that – uh, do a lot of the intangibles that don't show up on a stat sheet that you have to actually understand the game, watch the game to know their value to a team. Absolutely. Well, that was a great topic for We're going to move on to our next topic for the day. And speaking of not showing up, we're talking about the Brooklyn Nets and James Harden being unhappy in Brooklyn. Uh how do you feel about what's going on in Brooklyn with James Harden? Man, if I was James Harden, I'd be unhappy too. I mean, <laughs> he came to Brooklyn to play for a super team. And I bet you in two seasons already, they haven't played 50 games together. Um, Kyrie had the issues last year where he was trying to get his mind right. You know, he had all those mental health days he had to take. And, and of course, KD was coming off a catastrophic Achilles injury. So... Um, I think he understood coming in that KD was going to be hampered, you know, kind of trying to get himself back, which, I mean, he looked fine to me. I mean, he looked great, but he sometimes didn't play back-to-backs. So I think um, James Harden knew that coming in. What he didn't anticipate was the whole Kyrie drama and, uh, and it's kind of spilled into this year where now, you know, at first he wasn't going to play. And now he's like a part-time player. So, I mean. Well, that was on the Nets to decide his fate as far as how that goes and allow him to play part-time also. Well, I, I think that's it. I don't think he's necessarily upset with Kyrie or um, KD. I, I think he's upset with management. I mean, you brought him into a situation where. Uh, basically, for their team, is championship or bust. Absolutely. If they do not win a championship this year, um, it, it is a failure because they are the odds-on favorite uh, when healthy, when vaccinated, when everybody's available to play. Um, they're the favorites to win the championship. Right. And me personally, I still don't think they're the best team in basketball. I think if they had to go up against Milwaukee again this year, I, I, I don't think they could. I don't think they could beat them right now. So even with all three of those guys healthy. So I think James Harden has seen the handwriting on the wall. You know, maybe this is not a great fit. Um, Maybe he wants to play for a more traditional team and a more traditional lineup. Mm -hmm. So what do you feel James is looking for? Uh, What situation do you think works for James Harden? Well, it's a lot of talk about him going back to Philly or going going to Philly, not back to Philly, but – uh, going back with Daryl Morey, who uh, was the general manager in Houston. And so there's been a lot of talk about that. Now, would he Mike fit? Dan- Mike D'Antonio was a coach for that, that team, right? Right, yeah. right, right. So uh, would he fit in good with uh, MB? Absolutely. I think um, they could be the most dynamic uh, big man guard duo since Kobe and Shaq. I mean. So let me ask you this. <laughs> for James Harden going to Brooklyn 
thinking that things were going to be a certain way and didn't pan out a lot due to injuries and other unforeseen circumstances with Kyrie. Embiid is a little bit of an injury-prone player as well. So what happens if he goes to Philly and then Embiid has some injuries or miss some time? Hey, man, sometimes it just ain't in the cards for you. <laughs> I, mean, it's, uh, I, I, I mean, he's a great player in his own right. I mean, to me, this whole teaming up with somebody – I think Giannis kind of showed us last year that you don't necessarily have to do that, mm-hmm. that you can lead a team, uh, putting your brand of basketball, uh, putting your DNA into a team. And I, I think more players, I think more great players should do that. And they should, um, you know, kind of take that challenge. Mm-hmm. And I think James Harden, if MB goes down, I think he's capable of leading a team. So well, well, let me say, he has the talent to lead a team. We've seen in the past that he has not been able to get them to the next level. So if, hypothetically speaking, if he were in Philly and Embiid missed a significant time, what would be the difference in being in Brooklyn and not having your star players as well? Man, it's just the distractions, man. Mm-hmm. Kyrie is a distraction. I mean, I love, I love his game. I mean, and I even love his mind. I love the fact that he's standing for what he believes in. But when you hoopers mm-hmm. like Harden and KD are, mm-hmm. man, that dude is a distraction to them. Right. They trying to hoop. Right. They ain't about making no commercials or making uh, political statements. And, you know, they just want to they, they play basketball, man. They want to play basketball and they want to win and they want to play at a high level. Right. And I think Kyrie has the luxury of being a player that can take those kind of lumps and risk and stuff like that because you know I don't think he came from the same he didn't he didn't have to get it from the rough like they did right so and I don't want to speak for that man because I don't know him but you know I think a lot of things he may take for granted where these guys don't they love they sleep eat breathe basketball and I just don't get that vibe from Kyrie that he just sleeps, eats basketball. I think he could take it or leave it. Yeah, I'll play. If y'all want me to play in 41 games, I'll just play 41 games. I mean, that's... I think if if I was Brooklyn, I would have made the decision to either either he plays or he doesn't play. I don't like the idea of the part-time back and forth. It's just inconsistent, and that may be some of what the frustration is for Harden. If he's not there, then they figure out how to play without him. But for him to be bouncing back and forth in and out of the lineup, it's got to be frustrating because when Kyrie's there, you're going to play a different – your game's going to be different. You're going to play different with Kyrie than when you wouldn't play with him. So I just think that the the back and forth – half the year playing, half the year not playing, I think that would probably frustrate me as well. Mm-hmm. Either he play or he don't play. Right. And if he's not going to play, then you take what you got and then you, you ride with that right. um, personally. But who knows? We'll see how it turns out. Well, let me say this too. Uh, James Harden has a history of not being able to play with other players as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw Chris. they brought Chris Paul to Houston. You know, it seemed like that would be a perfect match, mm-hmm. and it didn't quite work out. Mm-hmm. And then they bring in Russell Westbrook, didn't quite work out. So at some point, you got to kind of say to yourself, um, the common you know, denominator. Yeah, the common denominator is <laughs> you. So maybe it's not Kyrie, maybe it's not um, you know 
Russ, maybe it's not Chris Paul, maybe it's James, you know, James Harden. So I'm saying James like I know him, but you know, James Harden. Yeah. Um I think when it's all said and done, he's top five shooting guard all time. James Harden? Yes, sir. Top five all time? Top five. Easy. Easy. That, that can be a debate for another day. Easy. I'm not, I'm not sure if I agree with that or not for Man, if, if he could win a championship, I'd put him in the top three. Who? <laughs> top three? Yes, sir. Ferg. Mike Kobe. James Harden. I mean, James Harden has some. James Harden over Dwayne Wade? Oh, yes, sir. Absolutely. Ferg. Absolutely. That's blasphemy. All day, every day. James Harden over Dwayne Wade. As a talent, I think James Harden is better than Dwayne Wade. He's All-time a, player. All-time. And he's had more sustained excellence than Dwayne Wade had. For. But when you add in accolades, because people... We all know people that, right? Yeah, I tell <laughs> look, look at the game. Look at his game. James Harden is a better player. Than Dwayne oh, Wade. Yes. Yeah, a better I, score than Dwayne Wade or a better basketball player? Yeah, a better Wade. basketball player than Dwayne Wade. A better basketball player than Dwayne yes, Wade. Yes, sir. <laughs> JR first. I don't know if I ever heard you say anything more controversial than that. <laughs> yeah. Somebody find Dustin. You know, you know what? I, I, look, I, I I struggled with that a long time you today. What I was struggle with that. What I was thinking about that, I said, man, I, but you got to look at his career numbers. That year he averaged like 38 points a game. Dwayne Wade ain't do that. Man, you had pork chop for dinner. Let me check your blood pressure and make sure Man. your blood pressure not up. James Harden. About some James now. Harden better than Dwayne Wade, all-time player. Right now. Now, let, now let me back up a little bit. How many chips Dwayne Wade got? He got three. Exactly. Courtesy of nah, Shaq. Good. What about the one LeBron? By, he did get one by himself, too. Yeah. Right? Well, he got one with Shaq. Man, Shaq he... had one leg when they got that. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's no disrespect to Dwayne Wade. No, that's disrespectful to Dwayne Wade. Nah, no disrespect. And, and look, really, in my heart, my heart, I, I don't know how to characterize AI. I really don't. I mean, we call point him. Point guard a, by stature? Yeah, it's point guard by stature, but he's really, I guess he was really more of a two. But yeah. I, I would You could say the same about Steph. Yeah, I would put AI over both of them. So. AI hey, and Steph? No, 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 no. Well, AI well, over Harden and, and uh, Wade. All day. That man took a team to the finals by itself and beat this is probably true. one of the best teams of all time. That This is true. One game. But one anyway. Game, yeah. <laughs> First game. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, still, I mean, that's, I mean he, uh, that's big time. I mean, he, he was a big time talent, big time player. Small guy, but had a heart of a line. I mean, I don't want anybody to think I'm disrespecting Dwayne Wade. I mean, but you Jack, are disrespecting I, Dwayne Wade. But we all think you're disrespecting Dwayne. James, Wade. James Harden is tough, man. He's tough. He's he's a tough basketball player, and I I think that um I think he's just not mentally tough. And I get I know that's part of the game. I was ready to say, isn't that part of the That's part of the game, but I mean, <laughs> I'm just looking at talent. Maybe, let, let me rephrase that then. Please. As a talent. Please clean it up. He is the third best shooting guard. James Harden? Yes. Behind? Kobe. 
As a talent. As a talent. I I, I make and go with you there. As, As a, a talent. talent. Yes. I, I, yeah. I Air quotations. I need to clean that up. Please. Third best shooting guard by uh, success standards would be Dwayne Wade. Doesn't what? success matter? Yeah, but uh, I mean, I think people need to keep it real. That's When people say that LeBron is better than Mike. Is he really better than Mike, or is he going to have more accolades cumulatively than Mike? You know what I'm saying? So LeBron's not better than Mike. Accolades cumulatively, all of the, whatever <laughs> you want to call it, he's not better than Mike. I, I think he'll be able to make an argument for that at the end of his career. He played 20, 20 plus years, so that that plays into the fact. That yeah, that's right. what that's what I'm saying. But that's to play twenty years at a high level is. It's something in itself. To play 12 years at a high level was something in itself. Yeah, Mike had too many other things he wanted to do. He wanted to play baseball, golf, soccer, go own the team, then go play on the team that he owned. I mean, he just couldn't make up his mind, so. I, I got you. Uh, I don't know about that other thing you said, though. We're going to talk about that another day. That's going right. to be a whole other <laughs> segment right there. All right, so. Uh, next topic, we spoke a little bit about James Harden going to Philly. Mm-hmm. But do you feel like that Mar- Daryl Morey should make put together a package to trade Ben Simmons to the Brooklyn Nets for James Harden? Absolutely. I mean, because I think you're getting a quality player back. We still don't really know what uh, ben, Sim- ben Simmons' ceiling is. We don't know until he develops a consistent jump shot. It- it's kind of impossible for us to know how good of a player he can be. We know that he's a great defender. Mm-hmm. Um, 6'9", point guard. Um, yeah, I, I think if you pair him with Kevin Durant, I, I think that would be a great trade for both sides. Mm-hmm. I mean, How I, does that benefit Brooklyn? Well, number one, you got a wing defender. Now, that's something that James Harden is not. <laughs> he is not a great defender. Um, he's he's a good defender. He's a good positional defender, but he, well, good. He's a decent positional defender, but he's not a great defender. Mm-hmm. So uh, what you would be getting, Ben Simmons, a young Ben Simmons, is a great defender and somebody that has some upside. I mean, we don't know what he's going to be yet. Now the question is: Is Kevin Durant want to wait to see what he's going to become? Because you know he's. At the twilight of his prime as well. So no, I don't. I don't know if he'll wait if they couldn't win it all this year. Next year, I think if you brought in Ben Simmons, you would have a piece that you could potentially build around after um, Durant and Kyrie have moved on, which I, which I don't think it'll be too too far from now. It'll be a couple no. years removed, I'm sure. But oh, um, they need to move on from Kyrie, like. Yeah, yeah, I would have already moved up from him. But. That's no disrespect to Kyrie, but send him somewhere where he can play every night. Where does he want to play at, though? I don't know. Man. Even when he was playing, he won't play. Yeah, well. He's man. very injury prone. I, I mean, again, I got nothing but love Kyrie. I think he's a great talent, mm-hmm. great young player. Well, I mean, he's getting up there. But, um, I mean... Send him somewhere he can play. That championship shot seems like a long time ago now, doesn't it? It, it seems like a long, many, many <laughs> moons ago. Right. But um, I, I think I still think he could go somewhere and thrive. Uh, his track record isn't good right now, though. You know, he had issues in Cleveland. Didn't want to play with LeBron. They sent him to Boston with the young kids. 
You know, he couldn't cultivate that talent. Now, you know, you with two of the you got two of the top ten players in the league on your team. And, you know, last year he couldn't get his head together. This year, he doesn't want to get vaccinated, which that's his prerogative and I totally respect that. But she's always something. Yeah. I mean, I think it's always gonna be something. Yep. He's made his money though. Yep. Well, you spoke about um being in Boston with the great young players. Our next topic is going to be about some of the great young players in the NBA currently. Um, who do you think is proving their case as NBA Rookie of the Year right now? Uh, I'm going to be honest, man. Most of these guys play on sucky teams, and they don't come on television a lot, even though I do have a league pass. But I'm not watching a lot of Detroit basketball, I'm going to be honest with you, unless they play on one of them top teams. Um but uh, I think the guy that has had the best season so far is Evan Mobley. Mm-hmm. And he is playing for a, a very, um, very great to watch Cleveland team. I mean, they're uh, a fascinating team. They got young players. Uh, Darius Garland is one of those players. And, and he's fitting right in with them. They're turning some heads right now. Yeah, he's averaging 15 a game. Um, and he's a... He's a poster waiting to happen. I mean, he's he's uh, athletic. He can rebound the ball. Um, and right now, they're 30 and 19. Mm-hmm. So, if I had to pick a front runner for rookie of the year, and to me, coming in, they said this class was going to be great. Mm-hmm. I just haven't seen it. I haven't seen anybody really that I see is going to be a centerpiece for the league in the next 10 years. I, I don't see that player, but... Um, of all the guys, I mean, you got guys like Cade Cunningham, Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes is having a good year. Mm-hmm. Um, 14 and 7. Yeah. Jalen Green, which his shooting percentage is worse than Steph Curry's for the year. I mean, his is atrocious. <laughs> um, right, right. And, and he was the one should, that should was. Should we t- put them in the same category? Any category? I'm just saying. I'm, we, we talk about Steph Curry's slump. I mean, this, <laughs> this guy's everyday percentage. Right. So. <laughs> He's a rookie. Yeah, but I mean that's that's pretty bad bad way to start your career. You can only go up from here. But uh, probably a lot of bad shots. Yeah, I mean he's a young he's a young athletic player, and I have seen him play a couple times. He can get up and down the floor, and he can he's athletic. He can jump. He can finish around the rim. But um, he's not on the best team either. Right. And, And not that they don't have talent. It's it's just a bunch of kind of mixed talent that don't really fit in together. Right. They uh, they need to move some parts and and probably try to rebuild. Define what they're doing actually doing there, right? Mm-hmm. But 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 Evan Mobley probably will win mm-hmm. rookie of the year. I think the rookie with the most upside and you've heard me talk about him before. And I'm saying this uh, I'm going to be like Cleo the psychic over here. Jonathan Kaminga mm. will be the next Kawhi Leonard type player. Kaminga, okay. I think he's going to be a good defender. He's having a good year. Um, good he's having a decent year. He's, he's not time. He's not playing as much because right. he's playing with the Golden State Warriors. But um, I think they, if they can cultivate his talent, him being around Draymond, Clay, and stuff, and uh, Wiggins and some of those other guys. I think he's going to be a dynamic player. He's going to be a centerpiece for their their future. I definitely agree with you on Evan Mobley. And if I had to pick somebody right now at this moment, 
it would be Evan Mobley, Evan Mobley, excuse me, based on how well Cleveland's playing, and he's actually a part of their success right now. Changing their culture, man. Yes, man. absolutely. I would I would have Kate Cunningham right behind him. I do too. Um, he's you know had some bad shooting games, but he's uh he's he's had some solid performances. Detroit's had some good wins and they had some ugly losses. You know, a um, couple other guys that are that are in the mix probably won't be in the rookie year conversation, but having some good year a good year so far. Scotty Barnes mm-hmm. up in Toronto has been playing pretty well when he has time. Franz Wagner has been doing. Well, I was going to say about Scotty Barnes, he's playing so well that I've I've been hearing reports that they're looking at moving um, Pascal Pascal Siakam. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. So I mean, a lot of these guys have tremendous upside. Josh Giddy yep. having a decent year yep. on OKC. They've had some yep. they've had some good wins this year. Uh, you know, they're a young rebuilding team, bunch of young guys, but they've had a couple good wins. And one name outside of Kaminga that you can keep your eyes on out in Chicago is Aye Dasanamu. Make sure I'm oh, saying yeah, that right. Yeah, he yeah. hasn't had the big scoring games as yeah. some of these other rookies, but he's making some solid contributions mm-hmm. off the bench for Chicago. And, of course, we know right now they got one of the better records in the league. So um, I don't think he'll be in a rookie year conversation, but he's been a solid rookie this year so far. So oh, yeah. Definitely I, on a contributing team. I, I don't think you have any rookies this year that are, that are going to um, – you don't have your Anthony Edwards type rookie this year that's just going to kind of set the league on fire. But uh, I think these guys, all all the guys we mentioned, are going to be solid players mm-hmm. for years Good to come. Players. Yeah, and, and maybe even one or two superstars in that mix. I think Kate Cunningham, he got off to a slow start, mm-hmm. but uh, last 15, 20 games, he's been playing really, really well. So um, I think you're going to hear more. You're going to hear more from him in, in the coming weeks. Okay, cool. Uh, good stuff, man. Uh, trending topic right now, topic of the day, top 10 teams in the NBA. Tell me who your top 10 teams in the NBA are right now. Well, let me let me share with you ESPN's top 10 because cool. I'm always in conflict with them. But, I mean, ours is kind of similar this time. So, All right. uh, they have Phoenix at one, okay. uh, Golden State two, Memphis three, Miami 4, Milwaukee 5, Chicago 6, Philly 7, Utah 8, Dallas 9, and Brooklyn 10. Mm-hmm. Now, your boy Ferg's top 10. Okay. All right, I still have Phoenix 1. Okay. Um, And I'm just going to talk about Phoenix a little. They're, they're the best regular season team right now. Yeah. Most best regular <laughs> season team. They played um, well in the playoffs last year. Man, I listened to Eddie Johnson and Justin Termini on um, NBA Radio, and Eddie Johnson, of course, works for the Phoenix Suns, and Great that's all. Uh, man, I, I, it makes me sick to my stomach to hear that, you know, fanfare. I mean, they're a great regular season team. Now. For they at, the finals last year. Yeah, man. I mean, they played some teams that was on one leg. <laughs> so... Um, to be a great team and to beat other great teams, you got to be able to play a style of basketball. You got to have somebody that can get you buckets in half court. Now, to his credit, Chris Paul is playing some of the best basketball of his career. Okay. Yeah. Now, his, his numbers are not going to jump out at you. Mm-hmm. But, I but test, this is the eye test. This right? is the eye test. So, 
Uh, you got to watch the game. He does a lot of his scoring in the fourth quarter, in in crunch time. He's getting to that uh, mid post, and 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 you sound like you making my argument from last week, Ferguson. Yeah, I mean, you know, I ain't no Chris Paul fan. <laughs> I'm not a Chris Paul fan, but I had to call it like I see it. I mean, yeah. he's playing amazing for not only for his age, but I mean, I think he's playing some of his best basketball. Number one, because he ain't holding the ball for. 21 seconds out of the 24 seconds of the shot clock, and then get mad at people because they got a shot clock violation. This is the ultimate J.R. Ferguson pet peeve is holding a point guard holding the ball. Man, just do what you're going to do with it, man. (laughs) Shoot it or pass it. I mean, ain't no need to dribble and they out the ball. I mean, just shoot it or pass it. But he's done a great job with that, cultivating that that talent down there. Uh, He's made Devin Booker a better player. Um, and maybe for the first time in his career, he's playing with another great guard. And I'm trying to think back. Has he ever played with another really dynamic guard? I mean, he was supposed to play with Kobe. And, of course, the NBA did, nicks did, that. Didn't he play with the player you said was better than Dwayne Wade? Oh, yeah, that's right. He did play with How'd Dwayne you forget Wade. him so easily? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. well, that, that, just wasn't, that wasn't a good mix. Man, they, they were horrible together. Even though they won. They almost beat the Warriors. But, uh. Let me ask you this. Do you think if you subbed Dwayne Wade and his him play his place in Houston, would they have played that way together? That probably would have been awesome with Chris Paul and Dwayne Wade in the backcourt together. Yeah, because Dwayne Wade can play without the ball. There you go. That's part of the what my argument is. Okay. Well, uh, uh, let's, let's give some kudos to Chris Paul. I mean, hey. <laughs> I'm not going to hate on this man forever. I gotcha. mean, I, I, I've had a change of heart. I mean, anytime you see a guy playing that well, I mean, hey, I got to give him his props. But my other teams, I got Phoenix gotcha. at one. Mm-hmm. I got Golden State at two. I talk about Golden State all the time. Y'all know mm-hmm. how I feel about them. Yep. But um, number three, I have Miami. A little bit of a surprise. Okay. That's a tell, surprise. Tell me about that. So, with Miami... The thing I like about Miami, um, they have a lot of depth. Um, Tyler Hero is a stud. I mean, he's gonna be he's gonna be a great player in this league. Um, he can shoot the ball. He can handle the ball. Uh, he's shifty. You know, he can kind of move back and forth. And uh, Jimmy Butler does everything that you need a star player to do. Yeah, I'm not a big Jimmy Butler fan, but he gets it done. He gets it done on the defensive end. Um, he makes timely shots. Uh, he's not shooting real great from three this year. I think he's shooting like 25% or something like that. But he had, he, he's out a couple games of injury, too. Yeah, he's been injured. Uh, you got Bam down there. I mean, they just got, the, to me, the nucleus to have. A, and Spolstra doesn't get enough credit. I mean, you're talking about a guy that just, just wins. You give him... You give him. I think he's been winning so much, he's just kind of forgotten and kind of lost yeah. in the shadows, honestly. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just think he's a great coach. And uh, he's, no matter what kind of talent he has, he, he puts a good product out on the floor. So, mm-hmm. um, Miami's my third. I got Milwaukee four. Now, I know Milwaukee's been up and down, but they have not had their complete team this year. Mm-hmm. They haven't had their entire team. So, I think when Milwaukee gets whole, uh, when you have Giannis and you have uh, Middleton and you got Drew Holiday, all of them playing at the same time, along with Brooke Lopez, who's been out a lot, 
Man, Giannis, if he can repeat what he did last year. Yeah, I do think P.J. Tucker was a big loss for yeah. Milwaukee. Um, I agree. Year. Uh, I think and a big game for Miami. Absolutely, uh, for the same reason. So uh, I think I, I kind of see where you're going with that with that Miami thing. Although I did not pick it in that order, but I do understand where you're coming from with that. All right, I'm gonna go through the rest of mine real quick. Uh, Memphis uh, is what one, two, three, four, five. Um, I got Utah at six. Now this is when teams are healthy. Uh, this is what I'm basing my power rankings off of. Uh, Chicago um, seven, Philadelphia eight, Brooklyn nine, and Dallas ten. Mm-hmm. Ain't, ain't you have any anything jump out at you about my list? You don't like my list, man. Only one I was looking at was that Miami Milwaukee thing, but you kind of won me over with that. I kind of see where you're going with it. Oh yeah, I mean Kyle Lowry. I forgot to mention him on Miami. I mean he's bringing that championship DNA. Man, he's always—he's a solid point guard. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Uh, he's somebody that can get you baskets at the end of the game. He's a good decision maker. Um, so, yeah, Miami. I, I think Miami is the sleeper team right now. Mm-hmm. I, I got Memphis up there. My my only my only issue with Memphis is again in the playoffs you got to play half court. Who are they going to give the ball to in a half court set? Now, John Moran is great in the open floor. Mm-hmm. Now, he's going to make some highlight plays, but where are you going to get your half-court scoring from when the game slows down? Right. So, what you All got, right. Kev? So, on my list, I've got Phoenix as number one, obviously, for a lot of the same reasons you said. Regular season team. Regular, regular season. We are still in the regular season, yeah. though. But um, Milwaukee. Regular season champions. <laughs> well, right now they would be. Um, I got Milwaukee at two. Um, I've got Golden State at three. I had Miami at four. So I wasn't too far off. I just didn't think you would have Milwaukee before Miami. But like I said, I understood why after you made your argument. Um, Utah at five. They've been struggling a little bit lately. They've kind of slid down the standings. They're deep too, though, man. Yeah. I've got Memphis at six. Okay. Um, Brooklyn at seven, and I don't know. From week to week, they they're probably going down and Man, down. Man, look, I, I think Brooklyn got a better chance in the regular season. They do the playoffs. <laughs> they end up playing uh, Chicago or somebody, and Kyrie can't play. He can only play. He can only play on the road. They in trouble. Um, I got Dallas at eight. They've been coming on lately. They've been playing good basketball the last 10, 12 games. Um, Chicago at nine. And, and, you know, Chicago is my team, but they're having a lot of injuries right now um, and just a lot of things going on with them right now with their team. Um, I feel like if they can get everybody back and get back on the pace where they were earlier, the injuries definitely hurt them. A, a lot of what they had going on, they, they had everybody playing together and it just made a great mix for them. Mm-hmm. You start missing a couple players, they don't have – to me, they don't have those guys that go just going to stand out consistently and and um and push them into the playoffs. So obviously they're still gonna make the playoffs right now unless they have a monumental slide, but just not playing as good a basketball right now due to injuries. And I have Philadelphia at number ten. Um they have been playing great basketball lately and just trying to figure out what's going on with the Ben Simmons thing. 
if it were me, and I know this is kind of outside of the top 10 thing, but I would trade Ben Simmons. I know they're, they're trying to hold on to him going into the next year, but we're trying to win now. We're trying to win this year. And if I got some assets, a player that I, that I can move to get me some pieces to, to make me a playoff run, I'd trade Ben Simmons to today. Yeah, they should have traded him in the offseason. Yeah. I mean, because I, I think he made it clear that he didn't want to play there anymore. Right. And I think the longer he stays out, the more, in my opinion, his trade value goes down. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you're going to end up trading him for essentially nothing. I mean, not nothing, but you're not, not going to get value back. Yeah, you're not going to get the same value back. But yeah. um, if I could get some pieces to help me make a playoff push, I would do it this year. Yeah. I, I mean, I think they really should because. Again, you wasted Embiid's prime. You don't know how long uh, a seven footer like that before that, that knee go out. Yeah, that, you don't know how long he's gonna be healthy. He's playing some of his best basketball. I would pair him up with either another, you know, budding star, or you know, get a couple of nice little complimentary pieces and uh, try to win now. Yeah. You know, they what was uh, what was their uh, motto? Uh, the what was he the who, Philadelphia? Yeah. It won't, I'm thinking about Iverson, the answer. What was it? The, the question? Nah. The process. The, the process. process. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, process. it's time to speed the process up. I mean, it's I been a long process, process. I think the process ended last year. I think that he really should have traded yeah. Simmons in the offseason, honestly. Um, and you got Doc Rivers there. Doc has been a, a, a great coach, a very well-respected player, coach in this league. And I think you're just kind of wasting him away. Yeah. Not maximizing his uh, his opportunity to win with the talent he has. The Ben Simmons thing needs to be – should have been blown up already. Yeah, I mean, the man was um, – he was passing up layups. Right. So, and once you get to the point where you've lost confidence in the fact that you can't hit a layup. Right. I mean, he couldn't hit a jump shot, but now you can't hit layups either. Yep. Yeah, you need to go ahead and trade that guy somewhere where he can get his get his get his man back. Right. Yeah, definitely. But um we'll see how that thing goes in Philly. They they definitely got some things to figure out there in Philadelphia. But um moving on to our final and last topic for today. A man that never seen a layup that he was scared of. <laughs> talking about Boy, Mr. a shot that he was scared <laughs> of, period. Talking about the, the late, great Kobe Bryant. Bean. Bean Bryant. Two years to the day, Kobe Bryant passed away in a helicopter, an unfortunate helicopter accident with his daughter. Um, Ferg, tell me about Kobe Bryant in our last segment, and this is going to be all you, buddy. Yeah, man, well, you know, I... Long-time Kobe fan. As I told you on the last podcast, um, I bought this thing called the League Pass because of Kobe Bryant because he was just electric all the time. Like, you you never wanted to miss a game because you never had a clue at what he was going to do. I mean, he whether he was going to score 62 or three quarters, whether he was going to score 81, whether he was going to hit a game-winning shot. So, I mean, he was always must-see TV. Um, but his legacy to me is bigger than basketball. And I think we've seen that over the course of the last two years. Um, his work ethic was legendary. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it kind of almost gives you chills to hear other players 
talk about his work ethic. Yeah. Uh, the most recent player that I heard talk about his work ethic was Chris Bosch in his Hall of Fame speech. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, he was just blown away by the fact that, you know, everybody was trying to, you know, you got a bunch of NBA guys together and they're all trying to, um, you know, they all have bravado and they're trying to show that they're the best in the world. But uh, they wanted to work out and the guys got up early, got up at six o'clock in the morning to go work out. And they get down to the breakfast table, and Kobe's already down there with ice on his leg. They said, Kobe, what you doing with the ice on your leg? He's already worked out. So I think his legacy, his impact on the game is the work that you got to put in. Mm -hmm. I think for every young kid out there that wants to play basketball, for every kid out there that wants to be a doctor, for every kid out there that wants to be a lawyer, check on that mama. For every kid that wants to be an entrepreneur, um, that mamba mentality—that's not basketball. That's a lifestyle. That's a mindset. That's Absolutely. going hard at everything, um, never taking no for an answer. Uh, if Kobe had gave up with those air balls that he shot in Utah, you know, maybe we would never see. You know the career that we saw but he right. had that mentality that he was going to keep working and um I, I think that's his legacy his work ethic um just relentless and, and it went beyond basketball once he was finished with basket he was obsessive about basketball but once he finished with that he became obsessive about other things and I think the other um legacy for Kobe is his contribution to women's basketball I mean with his daughter um, the thing that makes me most sad about that accident is we never knew what she was gonna be. Right. I think she was on her way to greatness, and that that make that that makes me even more sad. Yeah. Because we knew what Kobe could do and yeah. had done. Yeah. But uh, Gianna, I, I think she probably would have ended up being the greatest uh, female basketball player probably ever. I mean, I know that's a bold statement, and that's no disrespect to anybody, any other female basketball player, but I just think that she had that same drop. Right. And one one last thing on Kobe I was going to mention, Kev. Um, uh, Stephen A. Smith had a segment on ESPN the other day, and I, I think it caught a lot of people off guard, uh, maybe offended a lot of people, where he kind of compared Kobe's mentality to some of the mentalities of the players today. Like not playing every game, not yep. playing hard. Um, it should have offended them. It, it should. And 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 I know people were offended by what he said, and they said they're, he's using Kobe's um, death to, to make these points, but those were things that needed to be said. As a fan, fans pay their hard-earned money to go see you uh, play basketball. Yep. And one thing about Kobe, and I think uh, Michael Jordan was the same way, they never wanted to disappoint a fan. Mm-hmm. So they felt obligated to play. You know, it wasn't any rest. You know, I'm out tonight because of rest. Right. You know, I'm paying you $40 million a year, and I just paid $400 for a ticket to see you play. Uh, the expectation is to see you play. So he, he brought light of that on ESPN, and I just feel like, you know, kudos to Stephen A. Smith, and I don't agree with Stephen A. Smith a whole lot, but um, <laughs> that was one thing that really caught my eye on my ear, and I, I kudos to him for making light of that. Um, these players need to go back 
to the old school and remember what the game is about. It's not how long you play. It's about giving your all while you play. Now, Larry Bird didn't have an extremely long career, but I remember as a little kid watching him sit on the court, lay on his back on the court because he had back issues. But he gave everything he had for the 12, 13 years he played. Right. I would rather see that than to see guys play 50% of the games and play half speed to have a longer career and make more money. Because that's what it's about, making more money. Right. And, I mean, I get it. But, um... I get it. Well, uh, you know. But I understand. Give the fans a show. And, and that's what Kobe was about. Even at the last game, he gave him a show. He said, yeah, look, I'm going to shoot the ball show. every time I get it. And he just about did. And he did. 50 <laughs> shots. So, um, you know, rest in peace to Kobe Bryant. That was my all-time favorite player, maybe 1A, 1B, him and Michael Jordan. I grew up watching Mike, but I kind of grew up with Kobe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if it, I don't know if you can understand that. Um, I was watching Mike from a kid's eyes and was just kind of enamored by what he does, what what he could do. By the time you started to understand basketball yeah. with Kobe. Right. Gotcha. I understand. Yeah. Speaking of the Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant loose connection, um, last thing that I'm going to say, you think Charlotte ever got over trading Kobe Bryant? Will they ever get over that? Man, that's, I think that's why they moved to New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, man we but, uh, traded Kobe Bryant. Vladi Divac and yeah. picks that nobody remembers. Yeah, and imagine, imagine Kobe Bryant being in Charlotte. I mean, that's something people don't ever talk about a lot. But if Kobe Bryant had played in Charlotte, I mean... Do you think he would have been as great? I think he would have been better. Because I think he would have played right away. Um, I think he would have been a better... He would have put up better stats, I would say that. Mm-hmm. All-time Do you stats. you think some of the Laker lore played into some of his legacy? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it wouldn't have been as sexy playing in Charlotte. But... Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he would have put up better stats, overall career stats. Mm-hmm. Okay. It would have been his team from the beginning. For sure. Definitely. Well, guys, that's going to be it for for this this podcast for tonight. Kevin Lee, J.R. Ferguson signing off. We are the eye test, and we'll see you guys again next week. All right. See you guys.